Hello and welcome to this week's Innovation Forum Monday Briefing, our regular guide to what's happening in the world of sustainable business. I'm Ian Welsh. Innovation Forum will be in Washington DC this week for our Future of Climate Action on Scope 3 Emissions Conference. To find out about any last-minute additions to the agenda and participant list and what attendees can expect on the day, I caught up with my colleague Emily Heslop. First though, to talk about some of what else to look out for this week, here's Innovation Forum's B. Stevenson. What's coming up this week? So this week, on the 8th of November, the UNEP's production gap report is going to be published. This is a report that tracks the discrepancy between governments' planned fossil fuel production and global production levels consistent with limiting warming to 1.5 degrees centigrade or 2 degrees centigrade. So the report represents a collaboration of several researchers and academic institutions, including the input of more than 40 experts. The last one was in 2021 and the first was in 2019. This is one of three GAP reports being published this month ahead of COP28 in Dubai. And the UNEP produces two regular climate-related assessments other than this, so the Adaptation GAP report and the Emissions GAP report. And then this one, the Production GAP report, which is produced in partnership with other groups like the Stockholm Environment Institute. Why are these GAP reports important? We know that the window to reduce emissions to the point where global warming stays below 1.5 degrees is closing ever more rapidly than previously thought by scientists. These reports provide a clear picture of where the world is when it comes to both this mitigation and also adaptation to climate change. But they also tell us the chart where the world needs to go and crucially, how do we actually get there? The three reports provide scientific foundation for negotiating parties and stakeholders working towards meeting the Paris Agreement goals. They will also provide consolidated input to the global stock take, which is the formal process to measure how the global community is delivering the Paris Agreement. What do you think we can expect to see in the production gap report? Lots of good news, no doubt. (laughs) Quite. The addition of the production gap report that came out in 2021 had already found that the world's governments were planning to produce more than twice the amount of fossil fuels in 2030 than would be consistent with limiting warming to 1.5 degrees. But then more recently, other reports such as the International Energy Agency's World Energy Outlook report have warned that fossil fuel production remains far too high to prevent catastrophic warming, with continued consumption of oil, gas and coal undermining the global transition to renewable energy, which has shown quite a lot of progress. But it's likely that these sentiments will be reflected, but hopefully with a more practical guide to the actions needed to get us back on course ahead of COP28. Yeah, we have been reporting quite a lot of the bad news that's been coming out recently around the lack of sufficient progress. What else is coming up this week, B? This week on the 6th of November, it's the International Day for Preventing the Exploitation of Environment in War and Armed Conflict. Of this, the UN says that though humanity has always counted its war casualties in terms of dead and wounded soldiers and civilians, destroyed cities and livelihoods, The environment has often remained the unpublicised victim of war. For instance, water wells have been polluted, crops torched, forests cut down, soils poisoned, and animals killed to gain military advantage. The UNEP has found over the last 60 years that at least 40% of all internal conflicts have been linked to the exploitation of natural resources, whether high-value resources such as timber, diamonds, gold, and obviously oil, or scarce resources such as fertile land and water. And it's also important to note that conflicts involving natural resources have been found to be twice as likely to relapse. So really, this is a public awareness day around the link between environmental degradation and now, of course, obviously climate change and its compounding crisis, then conflict. So what are the main linkages then between climate change and conflict? I looked into a 2020 International Committee of the Red Cross report on this called When Rain Turns to Dust, and it highlights some of the key linkages. It showed that of the 25 countries deemed most vulnerable to climate change, 
at least in 2020, 14 were mired in conflict. So these were countries like the DRC, Afghanistan and Somalia. And this is not to say that there is a direct correlation between climate change and conflict, but rather that countries enduring conflict are also less able to then endure climate change as they are weakened and obviously their institutions and governance is weakened. Scientists generally agree that climate change does not directly cause armed conflict, that it may indirectly increase the risk of conflict by exacerbating existing social, economic and environmental factors. For instance, resource scarcity due to climate change can obviously create more tension. It also renders climate adaptation more difficult in areas of conflict, as obviously these can require major social, cultural, economic changes, whereby a whole agricultural system might need to change, or for instance, new diseases and pests might need to be dealt with. This is then obviously more difficult in a conflict. The report said that humanitarian organisations must now collaborate to strengthen climate action. While people in conflict zones are among the most vulnerable to climate change, there is a gap in funding still for climate action between stable and fragile countries and that a greatest share of climate finance needs to be allocated to places affected by conflict to help communities adapt to climate change. So it'll be very interesting to see whether this comes up at COP in any of the discussions. OK, lots happening, not least in Ambition Forum's Future of Climate Action, How to Tackle Scope 3 Greenhouse Gases event in Washington, D.C., where we'll both be. Thank you, B. Innovation Forum will be in Washington, D.C. this week on the 8th and 9th of November for the latest Future of Climate Action conference. I spoke with Emily Heslop about what to expect at the event. So we're going to be in D.C. this week at our Future of Climate Action How to Tackle Scope 3 Greenhouse Gas event. Looking forward to it. Are there any late additions to the agenda? Yeah, it's shaping up to be a really interesting few days with some wonderful speakers. One late addition is... Catherine Hayhoe is going to be joining us online for the keynote speech on day two, looking at advancing climate action through regenerative systems. She'll be touching upon that supply chain transformation piece, the strategic integration of regenerative outcomes, and looking at really scaling regenerative models across different industries, as it is going to be that cross-industry type conference with different stakeholders there. Excellent. So what are the topics then that have been emerging as you've been working on the event? Regulation and climate disclosure is a large hot topic for everyone at the moment, especially going into reporting season. We originally had a session on the agenda looking at climate disclosure and how investors and businesses can align to unlock the real opportunity in mandatory climate reporting. With the Task Force on Nature-Related Financial Disclosures being announced during Climate Week, we've decided to expand the scope of that session to include nature disclosures as well. So we're going to have Raviv Turner, who's a steering committee member of TNFD, joining and really talking about that mitigating nature-related risks and restoring damaged ecosystems as a part of that disclosure and regulatory piece as well. Yeah, it's really exciting that there's such a focus now on the nature impacts and also the fact that regeneration of ecosystems now is so important. But it's great that there's a real focus on that from business. What should delegates expect on the day? Delegates can arrive anytime from 8am on Wednesday the 8th. They'll need to register and collect their conference badge. This year, we're largely going paperless. Delegates will have received some logistical information about downloading the conference app. And on that conference app, you'll have access to the full agenda and the attendee list. So make sure to download that ahead of time so you can start utilising all the features of the app in terms of setting up meetings, etc. It is going to be a jam-packed conference. We are getting close to capacity, so make sure to bring plenty of energy for some really interesting breakout sessions 
the off the record fourth room discussions that a number of you have signed up for already and some integrated speed networking events as well. Yeah, we've got some really exciting session innovations this autumn. They worked very well at our event in Amsterdam a few days ago. Uh, so looking forward to taking them forward in DC as well. Are there any other logistical details that those joining need to know? Just do check that you have received that logistical information from me last week in your inbox. If you haven't, do reach out because there are a number of things on there. If you have signed up for one of the fourth room sessions, these were pre-registered sessions, you will have received an email confirmation. These rooms are limited in capacity. So if for some reason you decide on the day that you don't want to attend or you're not planning to join, do let someone at the registration desk know so that we can make sure that that capacity we have that's limited can be maximised and other people who want to join are able to do so. Worth pointing out, these fourth room sessions are even more off the record. We are on Chatham House for the entire event, but the fourth room sessions are particularly off the record. Emily, I know we've got a lot of people coming. Are there any space for walk-ups? We do have a handful of tickets remaining. So if you do want to register, you can register online all the way up until Wednesday on the conference website. And if you do that, you'll receive the information about the conference app and make sure you've got your badge ready for you to collect at registration on Wednesday morning. If you do want to bring any colleagues, we can register you on the day. It just will mean that you can't utilize all the features we have of the conference ahead of time. Excellent. Well, looking forward to it very much, Emily. See you in DC. See you in DC. That's it for now. Look out as ever for the weekly podcast on Thursday. See you in Washington if you're attending the conference this week. For now, though, I've been Ian Welsh and goodbye.